0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the First in Orange podcast. This is Denver Post sports writer Kyle Newman, joined as usual by my colleague Ryan O'Halloran. And we got a loaded Broncos offseason show for you here today. Back with some quarterback talk. Watson, Stafford, somebody else or will be Drew Locke once again this fall in his third season under center for the Broncos. Second as a starter. So we'll be talking about that. What we would give up for Watson and Stafford in a trade and what fans should hope for, for Drew Locke. If he sticks on as the starter recap of the Broncos request to discontinue first rider refusal. Yep. That's right. More trial talk. And then we'll do a little Super Bowl week and senior bowl week preview. So start off with the budding hot topic. We'll call it in Broncos country. And that is the bevy of free agent quarterbacks available on the market. And, uh, Big question is, especially with George Payton coming in as the new general manager, will Drew Lock be the bona fide starter come training camp, or will the Broncos bring in some outside help?
1: Well, it seems like we're back where we started over the last couple of years here. Last year was was a luxury; you knew Drew Lock was going to be the guy. You didn't have to worry about trades and free agents and whatnot. And, you know, I think definitely if the Broncos have a new starting quarterback uh, week one of two thousand twenty-one, it's going to be via trade. You know, you, you know, Deshaun Watson is going to be the number one target for every team who needs a quarterback. He's going to cost two first-round picks at least, maybe a player. Maybe you have to take on a Texans' bad contract just to get him. And he has a no trade, so there's got to be a little bit of a convincing to Watson that, hey, you can win with this team. Stafford is more interesting and more likely um, for the Broncos to land. Uh, you know, thir- He's entering his age 33 season looking for a change of scenery. You know, I wrote on Tuesday in the paper, it were kind of reminiscent of Joe Flacco. Joe was you know, one or two years older, but more accomplished as a playoff performer. Stafford has a losing record, has not won a playoff game. You know, yes, he was at maybe at the dysfunctional situation at times, but they also had a couple of good teams in Detroit and couldn't win on the road in the wildcard round. Right. As for, as, for, as for the return on Stafford um, – if on the Broncos, it does not start with the number nine pick. If Detroit calls on that, that's a non-starter. You need to hold on to that pick. Matthew Stafford is not worth it's your top ten pick. But do you give up? Do you give up a second rounder? Do you give up Drew Lock with that second rounder? Do you give up, you know another pick in twenty twenty two? And how willing are you to maybe give Stafford a, a new contract that stretches him into his late thirties? You know, I you know I wrote that. You know, Watson is the no-brainer. If you can make it happen, you have to make it happen. This is a 25-year-old nuclear weapon in the prime of his career. You can set up your quarterback spot for the next decade. Um, if, if I had to choose between Stafford and Locke, right now I'd go with, you know, Locke, see if he can have a, a year-three bump like Baker Mayfield, like Josh Allen, some of those other guys, and see it out. So it's, uh, I think, you know, we're, we're talking right now Wednesday around uh, 6 o'clock p.m. I think the Stafford stuff's going to happen quickly, and I think that was the Lions' motivation last weekend, announcing that they're going to go their separate ways, or leaking it rather, basically telling teams, hey, give us your best offer. We're going to make a quick decision so they can start plotting their free agent draft strategy. So if I had, uh, like, five bucks on the table, I'd still think, you know, going into the draft, Drew Locke is still the top quarterback on the roster, but uh, Deshaun Watson would be a fascinating uh, story to cover.
0: First Orange podcast is Kyle Newman alongside my colleague Ryan O'Halloran, and Ryan, I, I'm pretty much on the same page with you there. I think, as our colleague Mark Kisler wrote, I believe a couple of weeks ago, if if you can, if you're in the 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 realm of trying to get Deshaun Watson, and it's a realistic possibility. I think you bet the house on them, so to speak. You know, Maybe a couple first-round picks, uh, Drew Locke maybe in that package. But that's kind of a pie-in-the-sky ideal for the Broncos right now. I, I personally don't see that happen. Like you said, Ryan, much more likely that Matthew Stafford comes in, uh, maybe in a Joe Flacco-type situation, and maybe Drew Locke you know, and him go head-to-head in training camp for that starting job. And maybe Drew Locke still beats him out.
1: I, I, I think if you acquire Stafford, that's the end of Drew Locke here.
0: That's it. Um, okay, I, so you I wouldn't give him a gone. chance at, in training camp no, to duke no, it out?
1: You no, you don't get. You don't acquire. And Stafford would never. I mean, I think Stafford's going to have a little bit of a say on his destination. You know, it's a no-brainer for him. to Say wherever I go, there's no competition, nor should there be? He's much more accomplished than Drew Lock. If I'm the Broncos and I acquire Stafford. I would try to include Drew Locke in that trade with Detroit see if they're interested in him as a quarterback. You know, which would maybe um, allow you to not trade an extra draft pick. Yeah, the Flacco thing—that's just what I have reminiscent of. Is it just right? It just didn't work out. And is Stafford uh, at a different stage of his career? Not really. They're about the same age at the time. So. Um,
0: and of course, Stafford. Yeah, thirty-two, like you mentioned, but not coming off you know some sort of neck injury or anything like that. Yeah, uh, but but still a gamble. Like, okay. Right. So first Orange Podcast, we'll move on here to the next subject on the podcast, a little Drew Locke talk. And of course, we discuss these possibilities of bringing in Watson, bringing in Stafford. But tea leaves might also indicate that Drew Locke is going to get a, a, another shot here, another go round, especially considering all the injuries and just everything that happened in this past crazy tumultuous Broncos season. Ryan, what gives fans hope if Drew Locke is again indeed under center in year three of his career here? Well,
1: uh, yeah, yeah, not sure. Man, yeah, of, yeah, go deep I'll into
0: think, your notes here. I'll,
1: I'll <laughs> think of something I'll so, you know, say, hey, you gotta. I uh, a lot of turnovers. Okay, get Cortland Sutton back, get Albert O back, have another year in Pat Schumer's system. You know, that's those are convenient reasons. You know, he played okay, a little bit better down the stretch. But he still, they still lost to the Chargers. They still lost to the Raiders. They, you know, and still lost the Chiefs again, even though they had a shot to win in Kansas City that Sunday night. So, you know, I think you know George Payton is meeting with the offensive staff earlier this week. He met with the defensive staff uh, on you know, Wednesday, and I think what he's going to ask the offensive coaches, "Can you win with Drew Locke? And get their opinion, get their input, and see if it matches up with his. And then, then you move forward with your, you know, trade possibilities or free agent possibilities, what have you. Um, if and here's the thing, and I forgot to mention this earlier, for Watson and Stafford, and and, and, and fans were criticizing me, uh, not shot surprisingly. If you're to Sean Watson or Matthew Stafford, why would you want to come to the Broncos? And, and that is nothing. That has very little to do with the Organization as it's currently set up, or you know, some of the good players they have. Why come to the same division as Patrick Mahomes, who's 25 years old, playing in the second Super Bowl? Why come to the same division as Justin Herbert, who was dynamite as a rookie for the Chargers? Um, If I'm Stafford, Indianapolis is not my first choice. The AFC South is in a state of transition with new coaches and older quarterbacks. And I also think Washington's a better situation if they decide to go that route. So, uh, you know, you hear Watson. You know, link to the Jets. You know, that's another dead end to me. I think, but uh, so it's good. It, just as a, just as interesting as what these teams want to offer for these players is what situation do these players feel is the best for them to compete for a Super Bowl.
0: So, first, in orange podcast talking Broncos QB situation, maybe evolving, maybe not. And Ryan, you mentioned kind of like a broken record. Uh, we were talking about this same stuff last off season, season before that. Well. Some more broken record here stuff on the court stuff and ownership. So uh, this week in Denver District Court, lawyers representing the parent companies of the Broncos asked the judge to rule that former owner Edgar Kaiser, who owned the team before Pat Bolin, and his estate does not have the right of of first refusal of any sale. So layman's terms, uh, gleaning from your reporting, excellent reporting, Ryan, at denverpost.com slash broncos. If the Broncos' next controlling owner is Brittany Bolin, who's the preferred choice of the trustees, or if it's sold to an outside buyer, Broncos do not want to be interfered with from the Kaiser camp. How do you expect this all to play out, Ryan?
1: Yeah, I think this one, you know, um, this thing's pretty clear cut in my mind. Is that the Kaiser camp really has no grounds anymore? I mean, Edger's been, you know, passed away years ago. Pat Bolin passed away two years ago. Right. <laughs> So that should make that go away. But here's the funny part. And, you know, some people in the Denver media mafia just reported one side of the story. But I decided to, you know, do a little digging on both sides. And I called two of the people listed as defendants in the lawsuit. They both live in Vancouver. They had never heard of it. And uh, to me, that was hysterical. And that's why I wrote the story is that stuff is too, is too good to pass up and put in the paper. And so, you know, who's behind this? The lawyer in Denver has not returned my calls and who filed who sent the letter to the Broncos trustees in March twenty twenty. But you know, I think this this will not impact the July twelfth start date of the trial with the trustees and the sisters in Arapahoe County. This was filed in Denver County District Court. So basically what it is from the Broncos perspective is they just want to clear the decks for the next move. You know, let's say hypothetically they sell the team. Well the new owner does not want to be challenged with a right of first refusal. And let's say stays in a family. Well, they don't want to have to deal with this when they take over as controlling owner. So, uh, you know, in the, grand, in the grand picture of the ownership saga, this, is, this was pretty easy to understand their case, and uh, I think they have a pretty good shot at just making this go away.
0: So we'll continue to cover, of course, the ownership saga on denverpost.com slash Broncos. And also up on the site right now are Senior Bowl Primer, which is ongoing right now in Mobile, Alabama. Last year, three Broncos rookies played in the Senior Bowl, Lloyd Cushenberry, Michael Ogimudie, and Asang Bassi. Who do you expect the Broncos to keep an eye on in Mobile? And I know George Payton won't be there, but from what it sounds like, he send, he sent an army of scouts down there.
1: Yeah, no no George Payton at this year's Senior Bowl, and that's the case for a lot of head coaches and GMs in the league. Uh, He sent a nine person contingent to to Alabama. You know, they practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and most everybody doesn't stay for the game on Saturday. But, you know, in Tuesday's paper, I looked at, you know, four positions, two players apiece that should be on the Broncos' radar, linebacker running back, cornerback, and safety. And I'll just break down why really quickly. Linebacker, they need an edge rusher. So Carlos Basham from Wake Forest, 6'5", 275. That's Bradley Chubb's weight, so he should be a fit. Uh, 20 and a half sacks. Yep, they're looking at inside linebacker. Alexander Johnson led the team in tackles, but Kyle, do you remember a play that he made? And I have a tough time remembering it because he didn't create a lot of takeaways in the passing game he didn't create any right so chad Surrett from north carolina is a really intriguing guy as a senior in high school he was national high school player of the year as a quarterback he played quarterback at north carolina before he switched to the linebacker put on some weight 225 a little light for an inside linebacker and in a 3-4 but you know had 115 tackles and 91 tackles in his two years um corner that's an obvious one that's that's the route they should go at number nine probably not these two players thomas graham of oregon Ambery Thomas of Michigan. They could be second or third round options because I think the Broncos should draft multiple corners. That safety, Richie Grant from Central Florida, who's drawing raised during the practices so far. You know, if you're Broncos, you got Simmons on the uh, free agent, and then Kareem Jackson is a veteran. If they bring Kareem back, it's probably just for this year. So you got to start thinking about the future. And finally, running back, um, you know, Philip Lindsay's status is unknown. Melvin Gordon's status is unknown, yep. and so I think they have to start looking at a running back to sort of, who can play on an every-down basis, and Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech is only 5'9", but he had a big year as a grad transfer, and then another guy that I really think fits them in the second or third round is Kylan Hill from Mississippi State, uh, first team All-SEC in 2019 with 1,300 yards, this past year. Clashed with the coaching staff, got suspended, and decided, hey, the heck with it, let's opt out. So, you know, the Broncos, once again, befitting their 5-11 record and five straight years out of the playoffs, um, have a lot of needs. You could throw the dart, you could throw a dart at the board in I mean, a lot of different spots, say, hey, that makes a lot of sense. And that that's, you know, that's sort of a problem, but it's also. The reality for uh, George
0: Payton, the new GM. So we'll be tracking all these prospects Ryan mentioned throughout the coming months leading up to April's draft. Broncos, uh, big, lots of work to do as you mentioned for Payton and Vic Fangio and Co. Again, folks, first in Orange Podcast, Kyle Newman, Ryan O'Halloran. So we'll close the show with some Super Bowl talk. Kansas City, Tampa Bay at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, February seventh. So. Uh, first ever home game for a Super Bowl team as the Bucs are playing at their home place. But they will be a three and a half point dog, or at least it opened at that to Patrick Mahomes and the high power Chiefs who look pretty dang good in their dismantling of Buffalo in the AFC Championship game. So what do you think, Ryan? Uh, matchup to watch. Do the Bucs have a shot in an upset? And, and here I'll go first. I think for the Bucks to have a shot at that upset, they have to contain Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, and obviously easier said than done. But I'm looking at Devin White and Shaq Barrett, linebackers uh, in coverage, Antoine Winfield, if he can play at the safety position, and then Sean Murphy Bunting and Carlton Davis at the cornerback positions for the Buccaneers. And a Buccaneers secondary, that has not been their strength. So if they're going to keep it close, keep it interesting, and, and allow Tom Brady to be in contention for a seventh Super Bowl ring, They're going to have to do their best to keep the lid on Kelsey and Hill in the passing attack. Ryan, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pick Tampa Bay. It has nothing to do with home field, but I think Barrett and Pierre-Paul, it's going to be their Super Bowl. Kansas City's going to be playing backups at left tackle, and right tackle. Barrett Fisher, their left tackle, got hurt with the Achilles against Buffalo. So I think that's going to be the key. Um, Winfield is terrific safety. Sean Murphy bunting the emerging corner has three interceptions. So I think they'll come up with a good plan um, against Hill. And Kelsey, you know, you just got to make sure he doesn't really go over 100 yards and over 10 catches. He's going to get his catches. Right. Just don't let him explode. And, you know, Devin White, when they played New Orleans, it looked like there were three Devin Whites on the field. He was all over the place. Green Bay I barely noticed him except for the fumble recovery he had 15 tackles so he's going to have to you know have another takeaway and you know usually in the Super Bowl I always pick the team that has the best player well that would be Kansas City but Holmes. but there's just something to me about this Tampa Bay team right now that uh, they're going to pull off the mild mild upset uh, at the Big Sun or you know, not the Big Sun, bro that's the old stadium dang it it's the Raymond James Stadium uh, last Super Bowl there was Pittsburgh Arizona it had a thrilling finish Speaking of Super Bowls, I wanted to hit, I wanted to uh, ask you real quick. The five years since the Broncos won the Super Bowl, probably feels like fifty years for the fans here. Akeem Talib a Zoom with the Denver media on Tuesday talked about um, you know the uh, no fly zone, which has recently become the frequent fly zone. What, what did you make about? Would you make of Talib's comments about the past, the present, and the future?
0: Oh man, you just had to get that little barb in there, huh, Ryan? That's that's good stuff. Like I'm proud
1: of my bits.
0: Frequent fly, frequent fly zone, and uh, yeah. So that's pretty apt to discuss discuss the uh, Broncos secondary the last couple years. But yes, back in 2015 and 16, when the Broncos led the NFL in pass defense two straight years running. Of course, Aqib Talib, a centerpiece of that along with Chris Harris, TJ Ward, Darian Stewart, and Bradley Roby who has gone on to scuffle quite a bit in his Houston days, but that aside, uh, Akib, as you mentioned Ryan promoting it, his podcast Call to the Booth that he started this year, you know, he's getting into broadcasting called the Washington Detroit game in week 10 this year for Fox. So, this is all part of his, you know, next career step and and in talking about his podcast, he's doing a special uh, reunion, five year reunion of No Fly Zone, as he's calling it. So it was a pretty cool little round table with all the other members. It'll be dropping on Sunday, a week ahead of the Super Bowl. But long story short, he still thinks that the No Fly Zone is the best secondary of all time, Legion of Boom and all their units aside. Ryan, you think that holds up?
1: Uh, you yeah, know, it's. You know what the Broncos probably have is they probably had better depth at the uh, in, uh, in the secondary. You know, with, with Seattle was Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sermon. They sort of went through a couple of other guys. Whereas the Broncos, you know, they they, they signed Talib, but they drafted Roby. They signed Chris Harris as an undrafted free agent. You know, signed Darian Stewart off you know off the street basically. He was sort of in no man's land as far as his career. So, um, you know, I never covered at Super Bowl Fifty. In Santa Clara, Broncos, Panthers, and you know, obviously Bond was the MVP. But what you could tell, I mean, this was a powerful Carolina offense. Their guys couldn't get open, tight ends, receivers, and so you know they, the Broncos sort of put the vice grip. And I thought Talib had a good point. You know, so he was asked, "Hey, are you surprised the Broncos have sort of fallen off?" He said, "No." He goes, "The sheriff left town. Peyton Manning didn't leave town, but retired." And, and, and it just it just hits home that this is a quarterback league, and you can have the best players on defense, but if you don't have the trigger man on offense like the Broncos have been struggling to find, you really are going to be chasing your you know, figurative tail in, in this league. Yeah,
0: and Tlaib's comments indicating he doesn't believe Drew Locke is the next sheriff that the Broncos need. So uh, reading the tea leaves there is interesting critique by the former star cornerback for the Broncos. Again, first Orange Podcast, Kyle Newman alongside Ryan O'Halloran. I'll close the show by offering my Super Bowl prediction. I think the Bucks are going to put up a good fight. But Tom Brady is going to run out of some magic and Casey is going to repeat in a close game. I got the Chiefs by seven, we'll say. Travis Kelsey, the man of the hour of the season with the game-winning touchdown and crunch time. So uh, we'll be covering the game and have a huge Super Bowl preview section for that Sunday, February 7th. Check it out in print and online, denverpost.com Broncos. Appreciate you listening to the show today. This is Kyle Newman signing off for myself and Ryan O'Halloran, and until next time, folks, take it easy.